There it is. Again. And it's cold. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act. They'll just boggle your mind. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey, everybody. I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the March 1978 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. You know, March 1978 is a really fun month for music, especially the kind of music we like. Mm -hmm. So we've got some Buzzcocks. I love the Buzzcocks. We've got Generation X, which I'm totally stoked about, Patti Smith Group, um, and, and the Suicide Commandos. A lot of really good music. We're going to go ahead and play uh, Mos Mosquito Crucifixion by the Suicide Commandos. You're going to die because you are so dumb. We don't like it because you want any fun. And what's more, we hate to get done. You're going to lie. Yeah. Cry. Yeah. Cry. Suicide Commandos. Um, the album is called Make a Record. So it's the Suicide Commandos Make a Record, which nice I think title. is a pretty <laughs> awesome title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th this is our mini dive, so we're going to kind of save our comments about this album, this totally surprising and pretty awesome album um, for when we get to the mini dive. But there is one thing I, I need to bring up um, just in case any like really, really on top of it experts on early punk music going, hey, wait a minute, the Suicide Commandos Make a Record was not released in March of, of 1978. Um, that's probably true. We don't actually know when it was released. It might have been released uh, towards the end of 77. It might have been released the beginning of 78. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the mini dive towards the end of the episode. It's a punk rock mystery. It, it, it is. Um, <laughs> I got so much to say about this album. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, let's just set the scene a little bit, shall we, as far as what's going on in the world yeah. in March of 1978. So in the theaters, uh, The Ruddles, All You Need Is Cash right. is released. Um, top number one songs in the United States are Emotion by Samantha Sang and Night Fever by the Bee Gees. So disco is king at this point in the, the American airwaves. And the listeners are just aching for some punk rock. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> On TV, uh, The Incredible Hulk debuts here in the States. Yeah. Uh, uh, other things going on in March of 78, Larry Flint is shot and crippled by a sniper. Okay, so let's talk about this playlist. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this playlist is a real mixed bag for me. 
a real mixed bag. I would say that March, it March is quantity over quality. Although there, there, there's some great stuff in here, but man, it is all over the place. There's, there are a couple of albums that that I really, really like, and um, some a lot of just kind of mediocre stuff, and then a couple that I I have strong negative feelings about, which we'll get to when we get to. How, how are you? How are you feeling about this playlist? You know. Um... Uh, this probably won't surprise you, but I like a great deal of this playlist, to be honest. Um, there's a couple bands on here that I I haven't heard of, maybe, or or have forgotten them over the years. Um, uh-huh. I think there's something familiar off of most of the albums, but uh, um, you know, it kind of kind of took me back a little bit. I'm a little nostalgic over some of this stuff, and yeah. and so I I really dig it. I think the playlist that we have chosen from the the mass of music that we're we're faced with turned out to be a really good compilation well that that i agree with even yeah. the dogs um there there is at least one song that's you know worthwhile right and, and of course totally subjective but you know i'm i'm very happy with this playlist yeah. um there was so suicide side commandos the only band that i was not familiar with at all but there were there were a couple of bands where i really only knew them from one song right exactly. and yeah so um the uh, next album that we're going to talk about is from one of those bands so 999 is a uh was a punk band from england um i knew the song homicide which is probably their most famous song from punk compilations but that was it um so their debut album uh simply titled 999 comes out in march of uh 78 how are you feeling about this you know um i am going to i'm just i'm gonna say this you know I, i go through and I look at all the albums that we listen to, and I kind of rank them to, to you know, to kind of weigh them out. Mm-hmm. Um, 999 was probably one of my very favorite off of this whole set. Um, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, it felt, you know, it, it just felt really good and really punk rock. Um, and then after I listened to the album, I went through uh, YouTube to watch as many videos of, that I could find of them. And uh, I, I really kind of dig these guys. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I am, I'm a little cooler on this album than, than you are, it sounds like. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it sounds surprisingly pedestrian for 70s UK punk to me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got a, a real, like, Jerry Lewis 1950s rock <laughs> vibe, okay. which yeah. surprised well, that, me. Yeah. You know, um, and I have talked about this dynamic in the past where um, uh, my sense is just sort of the, the, the music industry, like the labels and the, the rock establishment, just didn't have a real good sense of what to do with these punk bands. They they knew that they were popular and they knew that they should be putting out records by them. But 
I have noticed that a lot of these, particularly the UK punk albums that come out, it's like side two is much better than side one. So the record label doesn't know how to deal with it. So they, yeah. they front load all of the kind of standard, more like straight ahead rock stuff up front and then leave all of the really interesting innovative stuff for the, the second half of the album. Totally, totally true on this album. Yeah, perhaps that's a, it's a marketing scheme, right? They You obviously want to get to the best stuff, so you're going to have to listen to the entire record at the time because of their records. Yeah, yeah uh, could could be. I think you're giving them way <laughs> too much... Um, too much credit. A b ...benefit of the doubt yeah. because I think they're just don't understand how, you know, what the appeal of punk is. Um, so, yeah. anyways, uh, Side 2 has a number of pretty darn good songs. I really oh, like yeah. Titanic and No Pity. Um, they, um, the lead singer has, his, his delivery is very John, Johnny Rotten-esque. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think it's kind of the most punk thing about this album. Um, the music sounds pretty, pretty standard rock and roll to me. Um, and I, I particularly dislike a lot of the cliched bass parts. Um, uh -huh. You know what I, what I've noticed about this, uh, especially this entire playlist tonight, there's a lot of music in here that sounds like 1950s, early 60s rock. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I yeah. think we're still kind of riding on, you know, this is uh, 20 years before their time, and they're, you know, every every so often a flavor of music comes around and is popular with a younger generation, and I think they're kind of trying to make it their own. Um, but I yeah, noticed and, that that's a theme. And my, my sense is that you're much more receptive to that type of punk than I am. Uh -huh. I like I like my punk to be forward-looking as far as, you know, the context of, of the time. Gotcha. You know, I like the yeah. more innovative stuff that doesn't sound like it's, it's appropriating from stuff that comes before it. Um, uh -huh. But for this album, I think, hands down, the standout track for this is um, the song Emergency. This was both of our picks yeah, as far as favorite song off of this album. We've heard it all before, I don't know. I'm a little dense sometimes, but it took me a few minutes to realize the the band name, why they call themselves Nine Nine Nine, and and it has it actually ties into the song that we just heard, um, because Nine 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 is the number in the UK for emergency, whereas here it's Nine One One, right? In the US, yeah. Um, yeah. For them, it's Nine Nine Nine. 
while uh, while I was doing my research for this band and listening to their music, I found out a little interesting tidbit. Um, while they were auditioning, oh, first of all, Nick Cash and uh, Guy Days are their brothers. Okay, the two guys that formed the band. While they were auditioning for members, they turned down a, a few notable people for the for the position. Um, one of which was Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders. Um, they also turned uh-huh. down John Moss from the Culture Club and uh, Tony James, who was went on to be, you know, with Generation X. I find that kind of fascinating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, that's 999. I guess we should uh, move on to Nick Lowe and his album, Jesus of Cool. Okay, so what do you think? Do you think uh, this album is living up to its title? I think it's okay. Um, you know, I wouldn't drive any nails in it. Oh, was that a bad joke? Um, <laughs> no, you know, that, that's okay. We'll soldier on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I think it was all okay. It, to me, it kind of fell in the middle of my list, my, uh, my rankings, you know, it's, um, it's got a few good songs. One in particular that I, I liked over the all, over, over all others, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't rank it too terribly too terribly well. This is not for me. Um, the the title Jesus of Cool, man. I hope that he was being ironic when when he when he came up with that because there is nothing cool about this album. I mean, okay, on one level, if you're talking about temperature, it might be appropriate because there is no heat to this album. This is mm-hmm. like. Uh, this is a journeyman doing an album. There, there's no, I, you know, it doesn't sound inspired. It, there's, uh, it, it's, it's, you, you know what it reminds me of? Now, I'm going to get myself in so much trouble saying this, but it reminds me of, you remember in the late 80s, of that huge album that George Harrison had? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, had Devil's Radio on it. Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, it was like 88, 89. I remember it well. I kept thinking about that album when I was listening to this. Uh-huh. Now, that sounds like it's a it's a diss on George Harrison, and it's not. The thing is, yeah, yeah. it's an album that sounds like a guy who's been around the block a few right. times, right? Yeah. So he's, you know, you, you give him a lot of leeway. This is Nick Lowe's first album. You know, it should be it should be messy and passionate, and and uh, there there should be some heat to it. I I don't understand why this album is considered new wave or punk because it is really not. Um, right. You know, I have to so, say that I I felt that kind of I felt that that about that too. Uh, you yeah. know, the title well not the title track. There's a, a song in there called they call it they called it rock. Um, and I, I kind of felt like that was giving it a little too much, you know, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. And this is this is one of those types of albums that I like the least where it's like every song is in a different style. And it's basically just I mean, Nick Lowe, very, very skilled and talented, you know, kind of showing off, hey, I can do this kind of song, and hey, I can do that type of song. 
and it just it just feels really disjointed and all over the place. This is a very well regarded album. Um, so lots of people love it. It is not for me. You and I picked exactly the same song, um, "Thirty Six Inches High," which has kind of a cool um, little vibe going going on it. Um, the entire album is very well crafted. There's there's no doubt about it. It's just just leaves me cold. Yeah, I you know I I picked this song personally because to me it was the one song that really stuck out. Um, and uh, I'm I'm not like you in this sense where I, I absolutely hate this album. I I think I, looking back at it, we have nine nine albums, and I I kind of ranked them from my best being number one to my least favorite being number nine, and it fell at number eight. Um, but but I did like four or five songs on this album. I thought, oh yeah, those are pretty cool. It's more like an album that I want playing in the background while I'm doing other things. It's nothing that I really want to get into you know what i mean um but yeah i mean there was there was a reason that that we chose this song and like i said it sticks out the most to me once i was a soldier i rode on a big silver pistols at my side carrying the flags of war Struck off the man who fell in the cannon drawer. I never got over being a soldier. Well, at least now I feel like I know what Nick Lowe is about. Uh, it, it's a name that that I was familiar with. And the only song I could have ever identified was So It Goes. So let's move on to an album, a debut album from a band that I like a lot more. Uh, the Buzzcocks is um, another music in a different kitchen. Now, the Buzzcocks were my number three on my list of all-time favorite punk bands. Um, but I was not familiar with this album. I grew up with with the Buzzcocks, but I think mostly it was the albums that I had were like compilations. So uh, several of these songs I was familiar with, but I hadn't heard the whole album. Um, so they've got heat. Uh, this, yeah. this album is, this is my happy place here. I'm, <laughs> I'm loving this album. I um, while listening to this, I went ahead and I marked down all my favorites. And again, this is one of those albums where I'm literally marking down every single song. Um, yeah. I think the one song that that I didn't mark, and it's not because I didn't like it, but because I didn't like it as well as the others, um, was I think the song that you chose for to be played today. So really, because that that is, I think that's one of the more famous songs off of this mm. album. I, right, I was right. familiar with the song because it shows up on the compilations. I, I knew I knew the song, and actually I knew this this album. My my friend from high school, Dave, was a big Buzzcocks fan, and uh-huh. uh, so we listened to a lot of it. But it's not that I didn't like that song. It's like I said, it's that I liked it the least. Um, 
but I noticed that I'm marking off every single song on this album. It's like you said, it's got heat. Okay, so what is your favorite song off of this album? Well, I had a couple that I liked. Um, I Don't Mind was a really good one, but I decided to go with Moving Away from the Pulse Beat. And uh, I don't know, for some reason this song just stuck with me and I, I still have this song ringing in my ears right now. It's, it's hard to get rid of. Well, there isn't a song off of this album that I don't like. Um, this is um, what we just listened to would probably be in the lower half as far as my favorites, but it's it's a real good song. Um, yeah. I really like Autonomy. This is this is you know one of those songs that is why I picked Buzzcocks for my number three favorite punk band. It's a thing that's worth having, yes I would, buy she a lifestyle if it would. I gotta admit, I, I do like that song a lot. <laughs> I think I was a little, you know, I was a little kind of worrying that I was just checking off every single song on the album, worried that, you know, I was missing something here. Is it possible I love every single song on this album? Yes, it's possible. In fact, it's true. <laughs> so it's a, it's a great album and a good choice. Um, the next album is Patti Smith Group's Easter. Um, this is an album that I am quite familiar with. And of course there are iconic songs all throughout this album. I didn't realize what a Patti Smith fan I was until just recently when I heard this and I'm like, holy crap, that's Patti Smith. That's Patti Smith. Um, and I don't know if you like this album and, and you don't have to tell me just yet, but I want to tell you the reason why I love this album is because all the songs are so different. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I love that aspect. I mean, there are some albums where every single song sounds the same, and this one, this one does not. This one is, I think it it just kind of shakes things up. You know, it's it's got some really good stuff on here. So, 
Um, I, I, yeah, well, my ideal for me, an ideal album is an album where each song is distinct, but not because it's in a completely different style, but true. because the songwriting is distinct. True. Um, and um, this album, I feel like she's just like with the Nick Lowe album. Um, they're really going, hey, now let's do this type of song and let's do mm-hmm. this type of song. Now, I like this album much better than <laughs> yeah. the Nick Lowe album. Um, I, I, Patti Smith, she's just not for me. You know, we, we have very different sensibilities, um, but uh, you will never hear me talk with disdain about Patti Smith the way that I did Nick Lowe. I, I have a tremendous amount of respect um, for her and for her music, and I understand why people love love it. Yeah. It's just, it's not my thing. That's just, that's just, you know, my sensibilities. Um, having said that, I mean, she she is regarded as the godmother of punk, and I get that, I see that. This album doesn't, except for the song that we're gonna play, this album does not sound particularly punk or particularly new wave to me. Uh, it feels much more like 70s hippie rock. <laughs> Let's talk about a couple of things about yeah. this album. Um, this is uh, Patti Smith's third album, and it, it, it is her best-selling album here in the United States, um, mostly because of the hit single, because the night, which totally she co-wrote iconic. with Rick, um, Rick Springfield, yeah, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. Springsteen. <laughs> Rick Sorry, Springfield could have, <laughs> yeah, if, if if Rick Springfield could have been so lucky. <laughs> um, so I was certainly familiar with this song, but had no idea that mm-hmm. it was co-written with Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, well, you know, there's a uh, version. Uh, Bruce Springsteen actually sang this song. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and, that that doesn't surprise me. And it and it was great. Uh, obviously, the version that we hear all the time, which has been like in movies and, and commercials and just on the radio a billion times, is the Patti Smith version. But yeah. uh, there are there are a handful of songs on this album that I've heard over the years, and it it kind of surprised me to realize that all those songs came off of the same album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's talk about the song that we picked. We were, we were, we were pretty simpatico on a lot of our picks. Uh, That's really cool. This episode. Um, so Space Monkey is the, the song that sounds the most appropriate for this podcast. Um, and I like it a lot. And I'll tell you, Every time I hear it, I like it a little bit more. So I anticipate eventually I will end up loving the song. And certainly from here on out, um, well, until I find something that replaces it. If anyone asks me, (laughs) uh, what is my favorite Patti Smith song? I'm going to say Space Monkey. Space Monkey, mine too. Right on the What's the 
Dawn from the Patti Smith Group. Elvis Costello, he has finally got a band, a backup <laughs> band that is worthy of his songwriting skills. Um, this is uh, an album, his second album called This Year's Model by Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, we, Huey Lewis. <laughs> love, love this album so much so i my i've been all week i've been dying to ask you this question yeah so in the past when we've talked about elvis costello you have a kind of like expressed the uh, a fair amount of head scratching as far as like why is he considered you know punk new wave um and I saw that on the first album. Are you, right. is there a little less of that with this album? Um, you know, <laughs> I hesitate, but yeah, absolutely. Um, the reason I hesitate is because I, I freaking love this album. <laughs> okay. So is it, it, and is it, do you under, are you getting a, like, do you feel more comfortable with the idea I, of yeah. Elvis Costello being part of the new wave punk I movement? Am. I oh, am. Oh, good. I, yeah. I can totally feel where he fits in. Um, yeah. Not only that, but if, you know, if you watch, you know, this is, like like I said before, music videos are starting to, to come out and be a thing. Um, if you look at him, he looks kind of like he's heading into that new wave fashion you know he um and and i know it's radio and looks aren't everything <laughs> but they're starting to be and uh, i think he fits the part as far as visually as far as what it sounds like it's almost like he's helping to shape the genre um and and yeah no i, I think it totally is heading that direction and again i freaking love this album um and I never thought I'd say that about anything by Elvis Costello. And this, of course, is his second album, the first with his new backing band. Um, the hits are Pump It Up, Radio, Radio, and I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea. Um, it is Rolling Stone's 98th greatest album of all time. Nice. Q's 82nd greatest British album of all time, and this is thrown in just for you, uh -huh. Robert Smith of The Cure. This is on his top five all-time favorite albums. Seriously, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, if Robert Smith digs it, he can't be bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not true. <laughs> okay, let's get to some music, shall yeah, we? Yeah, for sure. What do you want to hear? Um, well, you know, obviously Pump It Up is one of those, and Radio Radio are, are two of those songs that you hear a lot of, yeah. um, and and I knew those songs really well. Uh, as soon as I heard you, This Year's Girl, I, I knew it, you know, it was familiar to me, but for some reason I just, I totally adore that song.
a great song. And boy, the lyrics on this song, they are rough. They are pretty rough. Um, (laughs) But, you know, and he has been, you know, he's gotten some criticism for this song um, unfairly, I think, as being misogynistic. But if if you actually pay attention to what the song is about, that's the whole point. It's about the brutality of sexual objectification um and it is it is a vicious song but that's what the song is about um, right, right. are you familiar with the i think it's an hbo series called the deuce no not at all oh it's it's really quite good um and it's it's all about the sex industry in New York in the 70s mm-hmm. and season two um, the the theme song is this song but what they did was so cool so they went to Elvis Costello and uh, Elvis Costello's team dug up the master tapes for this song and they went and so it's all of the original tracks but they they uh, you know, remixed it, and they they brought in a female vocalist named Natalie Bergman, um, and it is so good. I actually like it better than the original. I, what they did with, I mean, having it be a duet uh, with the male and female vocals really changes the dynamic of the song. Oh. And... They, they were also pretty smart where they had um, Natalie singing the most brutal lines. Yeah. So it, it kind of gives it a little bit more of a, of a clear context about what the song is about. And it's not as distracting as far as potentially being, you know, misconstrued as just Elvis Costello's misogyny, uh, right. which I, I don't think is really a thing. Now I have a, I have a question for you. Um, you mentioned the 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 duet. Was it? It was him from the original tracks and her yes. from newly recorded. Oh, wow! Oh, sounds so good. I gotta hear it. <laughs> Gonna have to hear that. Okay, so let's talk about my pick for this. Yeah. Um, I the 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 three hit singles are three of my favorite songs off of this album. Um, mm-hmm. Little too obvious. Uh, so I wanted I wanted to pick a kind of a real deep cut. So I chose "You Belong to Me," which is just a cool, catchy, very unambitious little ditty. Right. from Elvis Costello. <laughs> um, man, I, I can't believe that, uh, I can't believe that I'm actually, 
you know, enjoying an entire Elvis Costello album. I mean, I've never had a problem with his music, but to me it's all been kind of ho-hum, ho-hum, you know. No, this is really good stuff. So, fantastic. Um, moving on to our next, our next album is a band that I really dig. Um, and I, I say that... I say that because I'm familiar with their stuff and I kind of grew up listening to uh, the lead singer. Um, I really enjoyed this album, but it was not my favorite album. This is Generation X with their self-titled album. And it's, to me, one of those albums where everything kind of sounds the same. Um, kind of blends into the next song where it just sounds like the last song done over again. Uh, with, with a couple exceptions. But what do you feel about this album? I have no use for this album. I thought I so. just they're they're not bad or incompetent. Um, right. It is just to me there you you have talked a lot in the past about the Saints, mm-hmm. and to me they are sort of like the opposite of the Saints. So you you have talked about how the Saints the sound was real punk rock and the label wanted them to pose as punk rockers yeah. with all the trappings and everything but they refuse to yeah well to me gen x is exactly opposite i mean they are this album to me sounds much more like like tommy james type rock and roll than it does punk and i don't care yeah. you know how, how many times you know what the titles or the subject matter of the songs are it is rock and roll at its very heart and it you know it's pretty clear to me that that's you know they want to be more like tommy james than they than they want to be like the sex pistols yeah yeah well i i've always loved billy idol and uh, you know, I I think even today he's a pretty he's a pretty awesome guy. He's he's a hoot for sure. But um, I think you're totally right about how these guys look punk rock and they don't sound punk rock. Um, yeah. And and that as far as Billy Idol goes, that only gets more pronounced. <laughs> well, I time. I like Billy Idol much more as a new wave mm-hmm. artist than a punk rocker. You know when when he when he gets to rebel yell and he is making new wave, that totally works for me. You know for yeah. for what it is. This is just to me, it's a whole album full of. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> this is this the the second real low point on this playlist for me. Yeah. Um, but you um, you have a, a favorite song off of I this. Did, yeah. yeah. Um, so I can't believe I forgot about this song. And I, I for, actually, I, I almost forgot about Billy Idol being anything but, you know, Rebel Yell and Flesh for Fantasy. I mean, not really, but, but <laughs> you know, it, it, for some reason, Generation X kind of fell off of my radar. And uh, when they came back to me, I remembered this song. Now, this song, Ready, Steady, Go. Um, I want to say it was like in the movie uh, Empire Records. I think it was on the soundtrack for Empire Records. So it got a little boost in the early 90s. Uh Um, uh, And 
and to me i i don't know i i find the the song just really fun it's it's basically about or it's named for the uh the music tv show in the uk from like 1963 to 66 the the show was called ready steady go and uh, the host was kathy mcgowan which he actually mentions in the song how he's not in love with twiggy he's in love with kathy mcgowan and i I uh, didn't know who Kathy, Kathy McGowan was, so I had to look her up. But uh, uh-huh. she's, you know, like I said, she's the host of one of these these music, uh, you know, music chart shows. But yeah, it's one of my favorite tunes, uh, even outside of this album. I just, I just love the song. Ready, steady, go. Ready, steady, go. to an album that I like a lot more but still is uh, not a real auspicious start um, <laughs> an album called here in the states called UK squeeze by squeeze um, this okay tell tell me where you're at with this album <laughs> where I'm at with with squeeze um, yeah, they are my. This is my least favorite album of uh-huh. the uh, of the whole event tonight. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel. Uh-huh. About <laughs> okay. Well, I um, I have owned this album for a long time. Um, I think I got it in the early 90s because it you know it, there was a a music store that was going out of business so it was like all records were two dollars so I just you know any any record that I could find from a band that I'd even heard of that I kind of liked I snatched up and uh, so I had this record and I really kind of hated it with the exception of a couple of songs. Now, I haven't listened to it in who knows how long. Coming back to it, I like it a little bit more. But you know how I was talking about earlier on in the show about here's punk and new wave and sort of like the old guard doesn't quite know how, like the the record labels and these these established rockers don't quite know how to deal with this new wave of music well this is a great case in point Mm -hmm. so this of course is um squeeze's debut album it's produced by john kale of course from uh, velvet underground so squeeze 
goes into well they don't go into the studio but they start planning out the uh, the the album with John Cale and John Cale makes them throw out all of their songs except for two <laughs> and he's like let's go into the studio and we'll write the songs together so within a real short period of time they come up with an album full of new songs so we are going to hear two songs tonight one was your pick and one was my pick yeah. those are the two songs of course that were not written on the fly these yeah. were the two remaining songs and they were the two songs that were produced by squeeze and not by john kale so I think John Cale just didn't get Squeeze because their next several albums are so good. Yeah. Um, and this one is, you know, when you when you go and you look at the contemporary reviews, they are the reviewers are describing it as pretty solid hard rock. Mm-hmm. Squeeze right. is not a hard rock right. band. What you know? So, John Cale just obviously didn't get Squeeze and what Squeeze was about. Um, and I, who know? I would love to, in a, some sort of alternate universe, to be able to hear the album that, you know, they would have recorded if they had a different producer. That's for sure. Members of, certain members of Squeeze have kind of expressed this as well. So I'm not, I'm not like pulling this out of my butt. I mean, this is a general consensus about this album. That that says a lot too, because John Cale is pretty, pretty well um, hailed as being, you know, uh, a a great, you know, people see him as being an expert in the field. (laughs) In the field of what? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I probably, I not in the field of the kind of music that Squeeze is good at making. No, uh, I can tell sure. you that. Uh, okay, so let's listen to a couple of songs off of this. Um, Take Me, I'm Yours is, to me, the absolute standout. Uh, this is one of my very favorite early new wave songs, and it is, it is probably the new waviest song that we have heard up to this point as far as the chronological rundown stuff goes. I've come across a desert to greet you with a smile. My camel looks so tired, it's hard to but my walk to tell you of my travels across the Golden East. I see your preparations. ahead of its time as far as being from 1978 this is probably the most 1980s i have felt on this entire playlist you know yeah (laughs) it's definitely a a new wave song this might be one of those songs that that kind of helped move the you know the the whole new wave movement yeah and uh 
and it it was my second choice by the way um mm -hmm. on uh, on picking songs tonight so um the song i picked was again as you said it was the other single on the album and the other album uh, other song that was produced by squeeze themselves and that's bang bang want to make clear I, this is not an awful album I don't think um, I like it a little bit better than I did you know back in my 20s but um, but it just it seemed it just seems like a real missed opportunity um, you know it, it I, seems like a misfire not not an auspicious start to the career of squeeze yeah, I, I kind of feel like this was, uh, it, you know, I don't hate the album like you hate Nick Lowe's uh, Jesus of Cool, but I, I do feel like it kind of took a, uh, a turn as Nick Lowe's album did, where it, um, you know, the songs, it, it's kind of mixed up, you know, it, th these are songs that just seem like they are, they, they, they're not thread together, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really feel like the the bottom line is squeeze shouldn't be a hard rock band no matter how you try you can't make them a hard rock band okay you ready to talk about the last album that was released in march of 78 as far yeah. as funk and new wave goes yeah so the boys do oh, their yeah. um follow-up um album called alternative chart chart busters so when we talked about their debut from 77 um it was um i think we both agreed it was a um sort of a mixed bag but there was a mm -hmm. lot of potential there yeah um and i was really excited to see where they went with their follow-up you know w once again on their debut album the second half of the album was much more interesting to me than the first right so i i'm quite disappointed by this album this <laughs> this is it it's a fine album it is it's just kind of eh it's it falls in the mediocre category for me it's kind of like how i feel about um the uh 999 album it's like uh. a, a good try thumbs up guys um you know also ran kind of an album how are you feeling about it um it falls pretty much dead in the middle uh, uh -huh. as far as being you know if i'm going to rate all the all the albums that, that come out during this era it, it's right in the middle now i did enjoy the album um i've got a few favorites 
and I've got some songs that just don't actually probably six or seven songs that don't do anything for me, unfortunately. Um, in, including one which is a cover song that I really love, the original love. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, you know, and and this yeah. is an album that you know I'm I'm sure you were excited to see that there are actually well at least two cover songs on it. Mm, so thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, their debut album was much more punk than this album is. Um, right. So this, to me, really feels more like power pop, like in the cheap trick mode, than the kind of right. punk rock that I like. Um, a couple of these songs, um, uh, the the song that you picked to a lesser degree, but the the song Neighborhood Brats, very, very much made me think that they were looking towards um, the Ramones. So yeah. Neighborhood Brats really feels like a yeah. wannabe Ramon song. Not a bad song, but, you know, I very rarely do I like songs that are a wannabe this or wannabe mm -hmm. that. I'm I'm drawn to the stuff that sounds different and distinct. So what song did you pick off of this album? I picked Taking on the World, and... I think that it's probably that familiar sound that made me actually mm -hmm. drawn to that song. Yeah. Um, you know, and I agree that the other one sounded a lot like the Ramones, which is probably why I stayed away from it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, taking on the world. What you doing? the last that we're going to hear from the boys. Um, That's good. <laughs> they, he, they've got at least one more, but I think a couple more releases um, coming down the pike. It'll be interesting to see where they go, because they this album, they really feel a little lost. That is, are all of the relevant albums released in March of 78. Before we get into our mini-dive, um, let's pick Best of Show. What is what is your favorite album released in March of 78? Well, it was a total surprise to me, um, but I have to say that Patti Smith Group's Easter is my, my Best of Show this time around. Okay, that, that is a surprise. Yeah. Um, not going to surprise you to hear that that is not my pick. Um, not at all. <laughs> Nick Lowe, maybe? So, <laughs> so the the I have spent the last week week and a half just flying high on the Suicide Commandos, but 
and and they are because it's it's an absolute discovery for me um mm-hmm. and so i'm i'm just their songs have been ringing in my head uh, like for the last week um but i i i mean it for me it absolutely has to be this year's model by elvis costello even though it's you know nothing new and exciting i'm familiar with all of the songs it is such a good album um that 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 absolutely has to be my in in a lot more consistent than the um suicide commandos make a record album um so so that is that is my best in show um what well, what it, a great what a great album! It may surprise you that Elvis Costello, uh, this year's model, ranks really high with me. Um, well, I I was kind of hoping that that it would be your pick, but yeah, it I, was it was close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was close. Okay, so um, we have a New Year's resolution. We being everybody, <laughs> everybody in the, the entire world, um. New Year's resolution to, at the end of the season, submit their favorite albums of 1978. So let's just go down this list and help people out. Okay. Um, Suicide Commandos, I uh, honestly, they're they're not going to make the top ten. Um, I I think it's it it is a really Suicide Commandos make a record. I'm pretty sure that this album is going to be my stinky toys of Mm -hmm. 1978. The, the album that just caught me by surprise and it's flawed, but it's really exciting. And so I I just want to champion it because it is, um, but ultimately I think it's, it's more of a footnote. I just think it's an essential footnote, um, to punk and new wave in 1978. Um, are you, how how are you feeling about it? Do you, do you what what are your predictions um, about this album? Yeah, you know the thing is, is I really like the album. Um, uh, the the band was only together for four years, and I I kind of wish that they'd made a bigger splash. Yeah. Um, I think if yeah. if they they had, they might have uh, kind of gained a little bit more you know appreciation in the field unfortunately yeah. i don't think they're gonna i don't think they're gonna make it but but i as far as the album i thought it was pretty solid i enjoyed it yeah uh okay what about 999's debut album yeah no, i don't think so no, I, I don't <laughs> think so either okay if nick lowe's jesus of cool makes it i'm i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go bash my head up against a wall or something um <laughs> so maybe maybe on you know some other list but the best punk or new wave albums of of 78 give me a break yeah um buzzcocks and other music in a different kit kitchen i think this is a a potential contender possibility yeah yeah uh, sounds like you also think that that Pat the Smith, Patty Smith Group's Easter should be in consideration. I think Patty Smith uh, Patty Smith Group Easter should definitely be a consideration. I have um, I have a big feeling that there's a lot of fans out there that absolutely love this album, and that it's you know she's hailed as being the godmother of punk. So yeah, uh, yeah. you know I I don't think 
in fact, I, I'm pretty sure that it's a solid choice. Yeah, it would not surprise me if it pops up, and I would not object to it. Um, Elvis Costello, I, I I feel like this year's model is almost certainly going to make an mm-hmm. appearance on the, the top ten list. Yeah. Okay, uh, the, the, the last three, Generation X, Squeeze, UK Squeeze, and the Boys' Alternative Chart Busters. Anything yeah. there that seems like it's a contender? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's talk about my... Um, the the album that I've just been so excited about for the last week or so. Why are we doing a mini dive on <laughs> a band that neither you nor I have had even heard of Mm-mm. before a couple of weeks ago? Well, funny story. So you know, in the January February of '78. Um, episode we were talking about Per Ubu and how the Midwest you know this was the first punk band to release an an album from the Midwest yeah yeah. well just a couple of days after we recorded that episode I came across a documentary I believe it was on Amazon Prime called um, Jay's Longhorn that's J-A-Y apostrophe S. Um, and as documentaries go, it, it's, it's just fine. It's not, it's not remarkably well done. But the information is quite interesting. It's got a lot of interviews from band members. Really, most of the, the um Bands that came up through this. So, okay, so Jay's Longhorn was a club. It, it's mm-hmm. it was referred to as um, the Twin Cities CBGB. Oh, okay. um, so they they have interviews from most of the bands that that were part of that scene. So it's quite good in that respect. Um, and one of the predominant bands. Um, were the Suicide Commandos. Nice. Now, I can't, I'm unable to find exactly when their album, The Suicide Commandos Make a Record, was released. Some accounts say 1977, some accounts say 1978. I think it was probably sometime in 1977. doesn't really matter because I wasn't, even aware that they existed until <laughs> just now. So we're sticking them in here and, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the best that we can do. Um, and th- so Jay's Longhorn, it was, this club was put together inspired by CBGBs. So the, uh, you know, yeah. there there were some fans of CBGBs that say, hey, we need, so th- this was in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and they said, hey, we need a club like this here. Um, the, probably the most famous bands to come out of this scene were 
Husker Du and Soul Asylum. Right. Um, right. And then also um, the replacements, although it's it, the impression I got was the replacements weren't, they didn't come up through that, but they did play there a fair amount. Um, but they, they didn't, you know, they weren't part of the local scene. They just, the, the, uh, Jay's Longhorn was one of the places that they played just starting out. So that's like, th those are the kind of the three most famous bands. Um, there are some other bands, and if they released records, we will get to them when we get to them. So, yeah, sure. um, Per Ubu was in good company, it turns out. We just didn't know about it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, the how how are you feeling about this band? So I really liked it. Uh, I think there's probably three songs on the album that I just you know I just find to be all right. Um, but I enjoyed it. I, I I liked it a lot. Yeah, this is this is another one of those albums where the second half is so much stronger than the first half. In fact, like the first two songs, I was going. Oh man, because I think that I like, <laughs> I think I listened to 999 and then The Boys and then this. And so it was all sounding like very kind of tempered and um, not very distinct. And so I was actually kind of in a, a grumpy mood when I, going through the first two songs, I was like, oh man, this is, <laughs> this is just going to be a load of crap. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that because the first two songs are fine. They just totally sound uninspired. And then the third song was um, the song that we heard at the top of the show. It's My ears perked up, and then mm -hmm. it kind of went back to some more, you know, all right songs. But then the second half, I think, is just kick ass. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... What what really put it over the top to me is that there are some sounds in some of these songs that we haven't heard on record yet. Yeah, um, that's true. The uh, there there's some big uh, a couple of songs they've got like big oingo boingo energy to it, and um, I hear a lot of the kind of sound that we're going to hear from the dead Kennedys down the road too. Mm -hmm. Now I, I have no idea if the, if the dead Kennedys were aware of the suicide commandos and if they were kind of inspired, like the muscular guitar sound with the sort of like heavy killer riffs, um, that, that, uh, the dead Kennedys were so good at. I, I think the dead Kennedys ultimately were more successful at that sound. And right. more consistent, but I'm hearing it first here with the Suicide Commandos. There's there are a lot of songs on this album, um, and I mean they're not long songs, but but they have they have a really good energy to them. Yeah, boy, we really jumped into uh, this album. Let's take a step back um, and say the Suicide Commandos. They actually released two albums um mm -hmm. the first album was make a record um and that was in either 77 or 78 
um, they broke up and then they got back together 20 or 30 years later. And yeah, right. in um, 2016, they released a second album called Time Bomb. So we'll talk about both of those albums. Yeah. Um, the top Spotify songs for Suicide Commandos, not a lot of airplay, but um, the top five are Attacking the Beat, Mosquito Crucifixion, which we heard at the top of the show, Shock Appeal, Burn It Down, which we are going to hear by the end of this episode, and I Need a Touch. They are from Minneapolis, Minnesota. The band members are, I'm not sure that I'm going to pronounce any of these names right, but Steve Alamos, Dave All, and Chris Osgood. Um, they were together from... Um, originally together from 1975 to 1980. Now, Steve Olamas, uh, once they broke up, he moved to New York and formed a band called Beat Rodeo, which I had heard of. Um, they, they, they got a little bit more popular than the Suicide Commandos gotcha. ever did. In 2003, they got a little bit of exposure because one of their songs appeared in a Target commercial um, called Complicated Fun. Yeah. So yeah. let's get to some music. Now, your, I, I'm assuming the, the song that you picked is your favorite song off of the album? Um, you know, what's interesting is that I was kind of going to go with Mosquito Crucifixion, mm -hmm. um, but, but instead I, I think ultimately I like Kidnap the best. Well, this, this is my favorite song as well. Awesome. And I think um, it's because it is the one that ha that's got the most, like, oingo boingo energy yeah. to it. Yeah, well, that's why we're drawn to it, I bet you. So for me, the point where basically, uh, I think Kidnapped is basically the, the height of the album for me. Yeah, yeah, and, I, I'm and... totally on board with you. Just in general, the Suicide Commandos, I think their their strength really is the 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 guitar riffs and the, the, the drive, you know? the 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 musicianship and the um, arrangement of the guitars and the bass and I, I don't I think the the lead the lead vocals particularly on this album are the performance is good but I don't feel like it was quite produced right mm -hmm. like the yeah, the, the 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 vocals are not 
they they don't sit on top of the music they get a little bit lost so you know comparing the vocals on this album to like say Jello Briafra's of the the Dead Kennedys mm-hmm. Jello Briafra his his voice just pierces through this hard punk music much better than we're hearing off of this album so if i had any criticism about the production it's just that the the vocals are sound like they're performed just fine but they're just not quite they 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 don't have the punch they're kind of a little overshadowed by these monster riffs yeah okay so um Let's hear one more song off of this album. Um, okay. This is uh, this is really an album that needs to be championed because I feel like it is it has been lost in the annals of time. Um, let's hear "Burn It Down." Stepping back to my hometown, I saw a thing that made me proud. It wasn't black and it was. Unfortunately, the Suicide Commandos break up um, before they release um, any more studio albums until 2016, where they release (laughs) Time Bomb. Um, This album is, it's, I I think it's fine. I I think it sounds like exactly what it is, um, Mm -hmm. a, a... uh, a punk band from the 70s, 30 years later, um, yeah. get back together and release another album. It is, um, it is not, they, they are not a lean, mean, top of form fighting machine um, like they were in the 70s. And, you know, of course they weren't. Um, right. And, uh, but I think it's, it's, a lot better than it probably has any right to be. Um, but, you know, I, I hate to say this, but really compelling punk, that's kind of, you, you kind of have to have the f- fire in the belly. You know, there's, it doesn't, there's no, it doesn't feel like there's <laughs> real fire in the belly in this album. Um, well, I think 28, it's, 28, 30 years have kind of, you know, kind of gone by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, but, I don't have nearly the, um, fire in my belly that I did in my twenties no, no, either. So, um, that's, that's the way it works. But, but it's, um, how, how did you feel about it? 
So I, I thought it exactly the same. I think it's it's an all right album. Um, you know, I, I listened to it. There are a lot of bands that I loved back when and who I think are totally cool to listen to nowadays, even though they're still making music. And then there are some bands that I'm like, man, they really should not continue. This is not one of those right. bands. I'm okay no. with them. No, this they have is... quite a they have quite a following still. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. You know. This is um, not a disappointing album. Which no, no, um, no, no, no. I, I I would say the vast majority of albums released 30 years later by punk bands are disappointing. So um, yeah. this is this is ahead of the curve. It's just you know it's a little unfair to to put the two albums up side by side. I, I would say the first album is essential, the second album not particular. Mammy's little baby's now finally digging in. He took it on the hinder, now he takes it on the chin. If I squint, it's like I have a twin. Working on a fender, man, he ain't got far to go. Suicide Commandos. Anything else um, no. you want to say about this band? No. Well, I, I spent a lot of time on their website, uh-huh. uh, just just checking them out. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and they're, I mean, like I said before, they're totally cool with who they are and what they're doing, and it's, you know, they they're still kind of a fun band. So, I, I do kind of urge people to check them out a little bit further, even, you know, even their stuff that's out, you know, yeah. right now, the Time Bomb. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's kind of a cool band, and I'm glad that uh, that you found them on, what was the name of the the uh, documentary again? Oh, don't, um, Jay's, Jay's Longhorn. Jay's Longhorn. Yeah. Um, okay. If you're, if you are a punk rock history enthusiast, then you owe it to yourself, check out this documentary Okay, that, my friends, is March of 1978. A real mixed bag, in my opinion, but mm-hmm. um, some some essential stuff. Cup, uh, at least, I I mean, my guess is at least one of these albums are gonna show up on our end of year top ten list. I have a sneaking suspicion a few of them might. Yeah, yeah, could be, could be. Our next episode, as always, is going to be a deep dive. Oh, yeah. Rob, so drum I am please. Kind of, I'm kind of excited about this one. And again, it's baffling me, but I'm going to go along with it. Our deep dive is on Elvis Costello. Uh, you know what baffles me? Is how we got this far without doing a deep dive on El- Elvis Costello. I, yeah. I, you, you, you must admire my restraint. From I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from that starting off the podcast with the deep dive on Elvis Costello. Right. Now he has a huge catalog. Oh, yeah. It is over thirty albums. So, 
Um, we are, I think, I think we're only tackling the first eight albums of his mm-hmm. um, for this one. But this is this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So part one of Elvis Costello is coming up. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think that's our cue to say our farewells, Rob. Thank you so yeah. much. This has been, um, we, we've heard some great music. Great music tonight. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, yeah, it was a blast, man. Okay, everybody. We'll talk to you in two weeks. See ya. <laughs>